Welcome to the Radically Christian Crosstalk Podcast, Season 2, Episode 2. On this episode, I would like to invite you to listen to a conversation that I recently had with my Crosstalk co-hosts, James Sumners and Sam Dominguez. This conversation revolves around the question, do our lives really reflect what we say we believe? This show is not a sermon, a Bible class, or even a formal Bible study. It's simply a spiritual conversation among friends that we hope you'll find edifying and that it will encourage you to have these types of spiritual conversations with people in your life. And now let's jump right into that conversation. There's a lot of statements that we make, a lot of theological statements we make. We quote scripture, things we state that we believe, but our life doesn't back that up. You know, and there's... There's a multitude of things that we say about God and that we say about ourselves that then when you get into the nitty-gritty of it, when you think, well, if that were true, wouldn't this part of your life be different? Wouldn't this part of how you behave, wouldn't, wouldn't you treat your wife differently were this true? If you actually believe that to be true, would that still be happening? And we're, I'm not talking about making mistakes, uh, you know, falling short and whatnot, which we all will, but rather the fact that we... we you know, put on the new self, but then we don't, we're not any different. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the same guy staring back at you in the mirror, but we've called him new. You know, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's kind of the way people sell products. You now it's, it's the new such and such. New it's improved. the same as yeah. last year, but you know, but this one's got a new model number. You know, Well, somebody said the other day, I forget who said that, but uh, somebody said that all sin is in a sense, practical atheism that in a sense, we're, when we sin, we are living as if there is no God or that God will not judge us or that God will not, you know, punish us. And so we, we, we certainly do, you know, I mean, we, you know, we say in one breath that there is a God and he will judge and he is righteous and, and we follow him. But yet in the next moment, we live as if, if those things, as if those things weren't true. We watch things as if there was no God that was that was aware of our every thought and our every inclination, our every uh, motivation, and all of these things. We we think things and say things and do things and go places and whatever uh, as if those things weren't true. You know, we live one moment as if there is a God and speak very zealously of Him, and the next moment we live as if there wasn't. Well, what prompted you to uh, uh, you know want to focus on the idea of, of transformation? Uh, for our upcoming uh, series and and whatnot, that's our theme this year. Um, um, transformed by truth, and it was a conversation. As with a lot of our, as with a lot of things that end up happening here, it was a conversation with one of our elders, Ron, um, and and we were having lunch, and he was just talking about how so many people think of transformation, and and it's kind of that's interesting that you brought it up in the context of this conversation because he was talking about how we have a a tendency to be like transformers in that we we change into one thing and then the next day we change back into the other thing you know we change into a robot and then we're a car um and Sweet. and he goes back and forth you know we go back and forth and how um transformation biblically speaking isn't this oscillating between two things it is a it is a it's a, a constant and, and it is a, a process where we are we are becoming transformed, but we ought not ever to go back to who we were before. We ought to constantly be taking steps in the right direction. It is interesting that we can continue to choose to operate out of the old man. We can continue, you know, 20 years down the road, we can we can have a moment where we operate as if we had not been transformed at all and we we still have an outburst of anger or we whatever uh, like the old man. But the goal, is such a radical transformation that 
we are we are different and we're not going back to what we were before and that we we are not stagnant but we are constantly changing in the right direction to be like Christ isn't that basically what we've talked about many times with uh, you know spiritual maturity and that the fact that we we need to be encouraging people and ourselves to mature spiritually because we we recognize that when we initially put on the new self you know we're babes in Christ and it's possible to stay a baby in Christ mm-hmm. uh, but that's not going to that's not going to accomplish you anything um, and yet it it is also true that if you are diligent about uh, your spiritual growth and your spiritual maturity it's no longer going to be the type of thing where well and today I just flip-flop all the way back mm-hmm. You know, no. That if if you have gone for for many many years as a Christian and can find yourself flipping completely back mm-hmm. to the old self, then I would say you you've probably discovered that you are still a babe in Christ mm-hmm. in some uh, form or another. You haven't matured the way that you think that you have. You know, because there's it's like we've talked about before, and once again we keep circling back to things we talked about before, but. Um, you know, we 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 kind of keep these these sins that we struggle with as you know, it's like a pet. You know, it's like, well, here's my daily struggle with sin, and it's the same one I've been daily struggling with my entire uh, spiritual life. And well, no, the expectation is that we will always struggle to be righteous, but I am not always going to be plagued by the same mistakes. And if I am constantly plagued by the same mistakes, then I'm not growing, I'm stagnating, I'm not gaining ground, I am, I am holding ground. And that's not what spiritual maturity is about, that's not what transformation mm-hmm. is about. Uh, you know, it's it's you're supposed to put aside the the childlike things. You're supposed to put that behind you and move on. You know, we can recognize that in our physical selves. Where if we if you see someone who still has uh, the physical uh, uh, artifacts of of childhood, you can say, well, that's that's not what was supposed to happen. That's not a, a the, the way the body is supposed to grow and mature. And yet, we so often when we see that in the church and we see a person who should be middle-aged as a Christian, you know, spiritually speaking, mm-hmm. but they still have some artifact of childhood among them. We, we, we just, we kind of want to say, well, you know, yes, we all have those kind of struggles. And rather than in love and compassion say, no, that is something you have got to get past. You have mm-hmm. got to get over that. That is, that is a chain linking you all the way back and you're never going to get free of it unless you confront that head on. Mm-hmm. You think that, Maybe part of the reason that we have these things that continue to hold us back, that we continue to reach out and grab for ourselves, is partly just the the fact that in so many cases, in so many things, that we don't want to let God take control. That we don't want to hand over to God and say, look, I know that I can't do this on my own. But instead, what we want to say is, well, I'm a Christian now, so I can do it on my own. I'm, I am, I have been freed from sin and therefore, because I've been freed from sin, I obviously have the strength and uh, capability within myself to do that. And that's not the case uh, most of the time. And, and we need to, to get out of thinking that we're so used to this idea, especially as Americans um, of our, our freedom, our ability to, uh, our independence, we are so wrapped or, or so invested in the idea that we must be completely independent of anyone else and anyone 
uh, in anything that we don't allow ourselves to depend on others. Um, and to, I mean, can you imagine just having all of your, everything taken away from you, um, mentally, physically, whatever, and to the point where you are only able to exist and, and, and you need people to take care of you. I mean, that's that people that happens to, to many people as they grow older or just throughout life. Some, some accident happens and they become immediately dependent. That doesn't make you less important to God. It doesn't make you less of anything. And and the reality is, as Christians, we are dependent on God entirely. We cannot save ourselves. We cannot um, pull ourselves out of the muck and mire. Um, we we work together with our brothers and sisters in Christ to get out of it. But we don't do it together. We do it through God. I mean, it's uh, you know, if we if we were all in a, in, in in quicksand, we couldn't save each other. There's got to be someone on the outside who's gonna who's going to pull us back out, and that's what Jesus is. He's he's pulling us out, and we can't jump back in on on our own and say, "Oh, I can save you guys. I can save you." No, I can't do that. Only God, only Jesus, uh, only the Holy Spirit all together can bring us out of the muck and mire of life. And, and I think that you know we we all say things like that. You know, we all say, "Oh yes, totally depending on God, fully relying on God." You know, we all say, "Oh yes, I I totally depend on God." But but then you know, going back to the beginning of our conversation, you know, but how how does our prayer life reflect that? I mean, mm-hmm. if that were true, we would play, pray like Daniel. We would pray like Paul. We would pray. We would pray like the. But we don't. I mean, we you know we're most of us are content to say a couple prayers throughout the day. You know, thank you God for this food. Thank you for this day. We're saying some prayers with our kids, but are we like passionately, zealously uh, praying? Like, I mean, just going to our knees and like, like he is our lifeline. We we could say it all day long, but if it's not reflected in the way that we pray and the way that we depend on him, the way that we we devour his word. Uh, what was the word that we? Ransack. We ransack his word. Uh, that's that's a throwback to an old podcast. Um, that we we go to the word and we say, I've got to have it because the, as as Peter said, you know, where else would we go? You have the words of eternal life. You know, where else would I turn to? Wait, I, I'm I'm desperate. I, I I have to have you. There's nowhere else I could turn. And we can we can give lip service to that, but if it's not reflected in our prayer and our Bible study, our fasting, our our relying on our brothers and sisters in Christ, our uh, you know looking for accountability and admonishment from others. Those kind of things, then it, is it real? That's a nice, nice sucker punch, Wes. <laughs> I mean, I mean, because that's the reality of it. The you know, as Christians, as people, we always want to have some sort of practical. Well, how do you practically depend on God? How do you practice depending on God? Well, you you start off by by not just a little bit of prayer, not just by handing over a few things. Not just by handing over the big things to God, but by praying about everything with God. And I'm, and and I say that's a sucker punch because I it's like or more like a punch in the face, really, because it well, just it's just I, I realize so much that every time I turn around, it's like okay, I'm gonna start I'm gonna start praying a lot. I'm gonna start praying a lot more. I've I've done that bef- in the past where I got up and the first thing I did in the morning is I spent you know like ten fifteen minutes in prayer and then you know throughout the day, but. But I, I've lost that, and that's my own. That's my own fault and my own decision. And and 
that that's something that we just need to say, you know what, this is more important than the other things that I have to do. This is more important than the workout, workout that I have to do. I need to spend time devoting my life um, through prayer um, and study of God's Word. Well, how, how do we transform? How do we convince ourselves? Because it's it's just like with every other physical struggle that we have, where it's, well, I can lose weight if I go on this diet, but I don't want to stay on that. And I, as soon as I step off, well, then I'm going to gain weight again, or I'm going to get back out of shape and this and that. And, and we treat our spirituality the same way. How do we get to where we're not having to remind ourselves of the importance of prayer, but that we depend on that relationship with God, that you can't stop me. I don't need to be reminded to pray because I'm already in prayer. Uh, you know, how, how do we make that conversion in our lives, that transformation in our lives? Because I, I, would, I would say that probably the majority of Christians struggle with, with being somewhere uh, in their spirituality where they're having to remind themselves to do something or to be a certain way. And, and the goal that we're searching for, the thing that we're, we're reaching for and striving for, is that I have been converted, I have been transformed, I no longer need a reminder because that is where I am, that is, that is the dependency that I have. You know, I, I truly do depend on God. I think, to me, you know, in so many areas of my life, especially spirituality, the, the difference is pride and humility— I think that when you when you have a proud, when you know taking it with the, the the physical metaphor like you were saying about about losing weight and those kind of things, when when I step on the scale and I think oh, I'm doing pretty good, or when I don't step on the scale more often than not and I think yeah I'm probably doing all right, then I don't mind having a piece of pizza and a piece of cheesecake and washing it down with a coke and you know I don't mind splurging when I think oh, I'm doing pretty good I I don't need to do that, but when I am humbled by the scale. And I realize, wow, I desperately need to make a change. Well, then, then I, I'm I'm motivated to make that change. And I think that that's we are so quick to slip into a self righteousness, into a pride that that says, you know, I'm doing pretty good. I don't I don't need to spend an hour. Maybe some you know poor sap that you know just needs to get it all together. I mean, maybe he needs to spend an hour in prayer. But yeah, I'm I'm doing pretty good. You know. Um, and it's like no, no, Wes. Without the Lord, you're nothing. You are less than nothing. You you deserve punishment. You 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 are a horrible wretch. Um, but but we don't keep that. We don't keep that humble spirit. Um, and we we so easily slip into a mindset of self righteousness and pride. Uh, that you're continuing the analogy about losing weight, but about food. Um, uh, just the other day, I, I, we, we sang in worship, uh, when my soul needs manna from above, where can I go but to the Lord? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's such a beautiful phrase, and, and it stuck out to me so strongly on that particular occasion, because I was still thinking about in Deuteronomy and the discipline of the Lord from our previous conversation, um, about how, you know, they, they, he allowed them to be hungry, but then he gave them manna. And it wasn't just any old food. It was it was only food that God could provide. Only God could have given them that. And that song, that verse in that song, carries with it that truth that I don't hunger for just anything. I hunger for what only God can provide for me. 
And it's it's like, you know, when your kid says, I'm hungry, well, then eat such and such. No, I don't want that. Well, then I guess you're not very hungry, are you? Is what it amounts to. You know, there's, we, we say to ourselves, ah, I'm, I'm hungry, uh, 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 James, West, Cameron, let, let's all go out and get something to eat. Where do you guys want to eat? Well, I don't know this. I don't know that. Obviously, I'm not very hungry. If I have the time and the inclination to be picky about what I'm going to eat, then my hunger is minor, barely a consideration. Uh, for the fact that I need to lose weight, it's probably not hungry at all. You know, it's more of a habit type of a thing. But see, that's that's really the question. We are not ever hungering for God. You know, we we, we go to church the same way we go to lunch. It's like, well, it, it's lunchtime, so I'm going to go eat. Well, are you hungry? Are you ravenous for that? Mm. And the answer is no. And of course, that's that's the beauty of God's word. We can consume it and consume it and consume it, and it will be good, and it will be wonderful. It will satiate us in ways that nothing else possibly can, and yet just like our favorite things, you're never going to get enough of it. Mm-hmm. Like, How could you possibly, you know, once again, going back to my kids, how can you possibly still be hungry? Mm-hmm. Have you seen what you ate today? And yet we can go to God with that. And it's, yes, I'm still hungry. I'm still hungry for your word. I want it. I want that communication with you. I want that relationship with you. Yes, I still hunger for praise. Yes, I hunger for manna from above, not for anything else that this world can provide. And yet for so many of us, we spend so much of our spiritual lives hungering for food instead of manna. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I think it's like, it's like not to extend the metaphors too much, but um, we may already have done that. But uh, <laughs> keep but, on. But when, but when you you take a, a drink of water, sometimes you think, "Wow, I didn't know how thirsty I was until I drank that, and now I realize I'm still thirsty and I want more." Um, and I, I think that's the way that it is with the Lord: is that the when you get into His Word, it humbles you and exalts Him, and you say, "Wow." I didn't realize how what a wretch I was and how much I needed him while I was away. And when we go through those those bouts of spiritual famish where we're 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 in a famine because of our own choosing, because we're not eating, we don't we don't realize how hungry we are. We have become so malnourished that we don't even realize we're hungry anymore. And and then when we get a bite, we say, Oh, I was hungry and I didn't even know it. Um and, and so the it's it's funny the way it works. The more we feast on God's word, the more we spend time in prayer, the more time we spend in worship, the more we are humbled and he is exalted, the the more we need him. We say, oh, I, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. And we start to hunger and thirst for him more while at the same time being satisfied by him. And and it's a it's a beautiful thing the way that it works. And it, it's almost counterintuitive because when you're away from him, you get less and less hungry for him over time, and the more you feast on his word, the more hungry you become, but at the same time, the more satisfied you are, reminded of what a wretch you are and what a glorious, majestic glory he is. You know, it's it's always crazy whenever I think about just the analogy or the, just the, the fact of the manna and, and all of that, that that entails and how glorious, amazing, unfathomable, un, I mean, unprecedented— um, that that giving of the of that food, um, the the bread, uh, the the manna and the quail, and to the but and yet we cannot be like the Israelites were at a point where they said, well, 
this isn't enough. I mean, we want, we want, we want, I mean, this is the same old thing. And God says, well, you're not satisfied with the amazing thing that I give you. I'll give you so much of amazing that you can't even stand it. That's not the kind of people that we want to be in, in a sense. Like I want us to take what God gives me and say, you know what? This, this is feeling and I am satisfied with the amazing, glorious goodness that God has given me and not look for more as if there is more, as if there's something more amazing that God can give me. The, the fact that, I mean, can't go, I can't go past that, but just the idea that we, sometimes we think that we need more than what God has given us and we're not satisfied with the amazing thing that God has given us. The, the very fact that we have grace, that, that we have mercy, that we have forgiveness, I mean, we aren't satisfied with that. We're not satisfied with that. And so we get lost in all sorts of nonsense trying to figure out other ways to satisfy ourselves than with what the very thing that God has given us instead of just saying, you know what, God, you are my portion. You are enough. What you have given me is exactly what I need, and I accept that, and I am thankful, grateful, and I will. You know, that's that's such a, a good point. Because so many of us spiritually do that with God, and we end up manipulating the church, uh, turning to all manner of uh, uh, extra-religious practices, quasi-religious practices, uh, changing the worship, doing all manner of things because we're looking for more, we're looking for more. Oh, there's got to be more. And, you know, once again, it reminds me of my kids when they've, they've been given something good to eat, and they start eating, and, oh, this is so great. Can I have some more, and can I have this, and can I have that? And you have to remind them, no, 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 no. Just eat what's on your plate, okay? That's going to be enough for you. Don't start looking for other stuff now just because that was good. Just eat what's on your plate because that is what will satisfy you. And a lot of us in religious life, we get the taste of the truth. You know, God's Word is sweet in our mouths. And we consume that, but before we have consumed a fraction of what's there for us, we start looking, well, if that's good, well, maybe this is good too, and maybe this is good too, and all of a sudden we're stuffing all kinds of things into ourselves that are not God's Word, and they're not satisfying, and they're fillers, and they're making us ill, and they're causing all manner of other problems, and then we question God, well, wait a minute, you said this was supposed to be good, and he said, yeah, you started doing all this other stuff, and all I said was finish what I gave you. That's going to be satisfying for you if you'll just trust me and finish what I gave you. But most of us aren't even willing to try. And that's, I think, to me, it comes down to what are we hungry for? Um, you know, so often it's like we want, <laughs> I can't help with the metaphors today. Uh, you know, when you said all that, it's like, it's like, well, you know. I'm not hungry to be nourished. I, I just want some God flavored ice cream. You know, I mean, I just want some God. <laughs> See, I told Jake of it. Uh, you know, I, I want something that's you know Godish, but not really. You know, but but something that's fun. You not, know, and not so, gaudy. Right, right. Godly <laughs> or just yeah, just Godish. Um, you know, and so and so you, we do. We have like you said these quasi religious things, and it's like no, no, no. What you really want is a rock concert. You just want to put some God flavoring on it. That You're not hungering and thirsting for righteousness. If you were hungering and thirsting for righteousness, then fasting and prayer would be satisfying to you. 
But if that's not satisfying to you, it's because you're not hungry and thirsty for righteousness. You're hungering and thirsting for carnal things. And so that's what it comes down to. And, and so and we can all fall in this trap. I'm not pointing fingers at someone because I, I can easily fall into that as well. And like you said, we manipulate the church so that the church becomes this religious way of scratching a carnal itch. And, and really, it, it's about putting to death those desires um, as much as possible and, and living a life where we are truly hungry and thirsty for righteousness. That way, we, we are not manipulating the church or trying to make worship into something that is in order to satisfy our own carnal desires. A big thanks to my co-host and to Cameron McElyea for his help in the production of this show. And thank you to all of our listeners. If you enjoyed the show, please consider sharing it with others and leaving a rating and review on iTunes so others can be encouraged as well. As always, we want you to know that we love you, God loves you, and we hope you have a wonderful day.